Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. So today, we are going to be talking about something that is extremely powerful. We're going to talk about something that has started world wars and negotiated peace between bitter enemies. Something that has led to lifelong loves and something that has broken up families. Something that each one of us produces 15,000 of every single day and it takes 72 muscles to produce. We're going to be talking about our words. Words hold tremendous power. Which is why Jesus cared a lot about the way that we use our words and the way that we speak. And we're going to see that in our scripture for today. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and open those up. We're going to be reading from the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, verses 43 uh, through 45. Uh, And while you get there in your Bibles, if if you're looking, uh, I want to give you some background of our text. Uh, This uh, scripture comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. This is Luke's version of Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. And so the first half of Luke 6 details the events that lead to this sermon. So Jesus has spent the night on a mountain, and he's been praying to God. And then two days later, he gathers his disciples, and he selects 12 of them. And those 12 become apostles. And then on the way down from the mountain, the Bible says that Jesus stood at a level place where there was a large group that had gathered, and Jesus begins to preach this sermon on the plain. And so in it, we have lots of big ideas. Lots of important stuff. If you saw Pastor John's sermon last week, uh, it's a lot of bucket one things, uh, which he has been using that language a lot this week. Uh, But uh, remember, Jesus has just put together his 12 disciples, and this sermon is him teaching them some of the primary foundational ways that he expects them to live in the world. And so he says some things that you may have heard before. Things like, love your enemy. Turn the other cheek. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. Don't judge, and you won't be judged. Take care uh, of the log in your eye before you start worrying about the splinter in your neighbor's. And then one of the last things he says in this sermon is this, our scripture for tonight. This is Luke 6, 43 through 45. Jesus says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For people do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Jesus gets to the end of this little sermonette and he says, watch your heart and also watch your mouth. He reminds the disciples that their words matter, that they need to watch their hearts because the fruit that their hearts will produce is words. Speech and speech is important. The fruit that we produce, the words that we produce are extremely powerful. They matter. And I get that this isn't like an extremely novel idea that I'm sharing with you tonight. Uh, We know this. 
we know the power that words can have, especially negative words. Because a, a hurtful word sticks with you. Uh, I'm sure many of us uh, can recall some of the unkind things that have been said to us throughout our lives. I still vividly remember uh, a senior girl in my high school. You can probably guess where this is going. Uh, a senior girl in my high school came up to me. I had just gotten a haircut. I was a sophomore. And she told me that I looked like a discount Justin Bieber. She may have been right. I don't know. Uh, I still remember that. <laughs> Those things are hard to forget. Sometimes it feels like 20 compliments are wiped out by a single criticism. You can ask any preacher, and they will attest to this. Uh, unkind, negative words are sticky, which is why we have to be sure that we aren't careless with our words. And this is a lesson we don't just see here in Scripture, but we see this throughout the entirety uh, of the Bible. James, the brother of Jesus, he calls our tongue a restless evil full of deadly poison. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And in another one of the Gospels, Matthew, Jesus is talking to a crowd and he says, you know what, it's, it's not what goes into your mouth that's defiling you. You're so worried about that. You're so worried about what you eat. What's defiling you is what comes out of your mouth. It's your words. See, the Bible is, is crystal clear that if we are careless with our words, we can get ourselves into trouble. And again, we know that. Because I'm guessing pretty much all of us have been there before. I'm guessing pretty much all of us have put our foot in our mouth many times. I've told this story before, uh, but when I was in college, I transferred to the University of Arkansas, Wu Pig Sui. I hope we're winning right now, please don't tell me. Uh, but I transferred to the U of A from a small Methodist liberal arts college in Mississippi called Millsaps. Well, anyway, early on in my time at the U of A, I was making friends and I, I didn't really know many people all that well. But I had a buddy and he called me one night and he said, hey, come over, we're gonna watch the Cowboys game uh, at this girl's house. Uh, and so I tagged along. I, I knew the girls that were going to be there, but I didn't know them super well. Uh, but still, I figured this would be fun. And so I go, and we're watching the game, and it was the first game of the season. The boys were playing the 49ers, and we were losing at halftime, 28-3. to uh, Well, I am a long-suffering Cowboys fan. Uh, the last time they won a Super Bowl, I was two. Uh, and so I was upset. I was frustrated. And so I started complaining about the Cowboys, about all the things that we were doing wrong, because I'm a sophomore in college, which means I know everything. And I get on a roll, and I begin talking about uh, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. And I was saying some not so nice stuff. And as I did, this girl begins talking with me, and she seems to have this like deep well of Cowboys knowledge. Uh, and so we're talking back and forth, and she's making the case that the Dallas Cowboys are in really good hands with the Jones family. And I am disagreeing. And uh, I finally made the statement, regrettably, uh, that I didn't think the Dallas Cowboys would get another ring until Jerry Jones passed on to glory. <laughs> and I looked at my buddy, and he was across the room, and he looked horrified 
that I had said this. And this girl that I'm talking to, she paused and she said, well, you know, Papa does his best. I thought, Papa is a super creepy thing to call this random sports owner. Like, I said, why, why would you call him that? And so I asked her why she referred to him that way. And she said, Sam, Jerry Jones is my grandfather. Well, of course, I was horrified. Um, and so I apologized for trash-talking her grandfather, and she was super sweet about it, and we laughed it off. Uh, we remained friends throughout college. In fact, it was through that group of girls, somehow, that I later met my wife, Hannah. Uh, but I learned that day what the Bible teaches us over and over and over and over again about our words, which is, if we are careless with them, they can get away from us really, really quickly. And they can do real damage. And this is a lesson I've continued to learn because uh, the story doesn't end there. I shared this story one time, four years ago, in a sermon. Some of you may remember it. And my words have gotten away from me again. Since telling that story, it has apparently morphed and been retold in various different ways. And, and I know that because several people in the congregation, several of you, have come up to me with questions about it in these last four years. So one person thought that I was married into the Jones family, that I was related to Jerry Jones, which would be really cool, because that suite looks really nice. Um, another person asked about the time that I uh, yelled at Jerry to his face. Definitely did not do that. Uh, and then my favorite rumor is I had several people uh, think for some reason that I played football for the University of Arkansas, that I was a D1 football player, which is a rumor, <laughs> which is a rumor I love, but it's unfortunately untrue. And to make, uh, I will make this really clear, this picture is very poorly photoshopped. This is fake, just so my words don't get away from me yet again. Uh, look, the point is, this is what words do. If we're careless, if we're haphazard, if we just say stuff, they can get away from us so easily. And, and, and if they do, they can hurt people. And they can start rumors, good and bad. And they can morph, and they can do damage even when we don't mean them to. Which is why the witness of scripture is, is that we have to be intentional about the way that we speak. John Wesley, the, the founder of the Methodist movement, believed this wholeheartedly. He has a wonderful sermon uh, called The Cure for Evil Speaking. And he tackled this idea. And in this sermon, he says, uh, he says a lot about the way we use our words. And, uh, but there's this one section that's always stuck with me. And this is, this is what Wesley said about the way we use our mouths. He says, see that you speak evil of no man. Of the absent, nothing but good. Let this be the distinguishing mark of a Methodist. He scorns no man behind his back, and by this fruit ye may know him. What a blessed effect of this self-denial should we quickly feel in our hearts. I love that. Wesley says, be sure you speak evil of no man and let this be our defining quality. And then he poses this question, what if this was the distinguishing mark of all of us who call ourselves Methodists? 
And I like that a lot, but, but I wonder too, what if we even took it a step further? What if the distinguishing mark of a Methodist was that we spoke kindly, that we made an intentional effort to bear fruit that uplifted and encouraged and empowered? Because I think that's what Jesus is getting at in our scripture. Remember what we just read. For, for each tree is known by its own fruit. The good person, out of the good treasure, their heart produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil, for it's out of the abundance of our heart that the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouths speak. Jesus is calling us to bear good fruit, to speak out of the abundance of love and joy and kindness and hope that is within us. And I think that's where Wesley actually came up just a little short. Yes, it is great for us to not say negative stuff. It is, it is important for us not to gossip or talk behind people's backs, but we shouldn't stop there because Jesus urges us to take the next step as he so often does, to go that one step further. He doesn't just want us to not produce bad fruit. He wants us to produce good fruit because words have power. Negative, unkind, foolish words have power, but so do positive, uplifting, loving, helpful, kind words. And so what would it look like if, if we not only didn't speak the bad stuff, but did speak the good stuff? What would it look like if all of us really learned to speak the way our Savior did? And what if that was our distinguishing mark? Because Jesus was extremely intentional in the way that he used his words. He used his words masterfully. And so let's look at the way he spoke. He spoke words of invitation. He said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to these. He said, come, come on, everybody's welcome with me. And Jesus spoke words of comfort. In the Sermon on the Mount, he speaks to, to all of us, blessed are those who mourn, for you'll be comforted. And blessed are the meek, so they, they will inherit the earth, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst, because they will be satisfied. And he spoke words of encouragement. Jesus heals many people in scripture, and, and, and oftentimes when he does, they would praise him. But then he would deflect, and he would say, your faith made you well. How encouraging is that? It was your faith that did this. It was your belief in a God who heals that did this. And he spoke words of hope. In the Gospel of John, he said, in my Father's house there are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am you may be also. And maybe most powerfully, he spoke words of forgiveness. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do in the midst of the most unimaginable pain and suffering as he hung on a cross in front of crowds that mocked him with their words, he was still using his words to bear good fruit. 
to express mercy and kindness and love on a cross. And that's because it was out of the abundance of his heart that he spoke. Out of an abundance of love and goodness. Even today, we're going to close this service. It's the first of the month, so we're going to close this service by hearing the words of Jesus. We're going to receive communion. And as we do, I'll go through the liturgy, and and you will hear his direct words, the words he spoke 2,000 years ago, but words that we believe he is still speaking today. This is my body. This is my blood. It was given for you. Those are his words still to us today, that he gave his body and his blood for us. And so as we receive communion here in just a moment, I want us to really hear the words that Jesus speaks to us. Because words are powerful. And he is still speaking, using his words intentionally as he always did, encouraging us, expressing love, bearing good fruit through his speech for us. And that's why it's not enough for us to just not say unkind things. It's not enough to just not produce the bad fruit. We've got to say kind things. We've got to produce the good fruit too. We've got to be people who who share words of hope and encouragement and love. We've got to speak like Jesus because there are 170,000 words in the English language. And the average American will speak 680 million words in their lifetime. And so the question is, which words are we choosing? And how can we choose the better ones more often? And this is something I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks as I've uh, prepared this sermon and thought about what I was going to preach this weekend. Um, How do I make bearing the good fruit, saying the good stuff into a habit? And here's what I came up with. Uh, I decided to try a little experiment. I wear this God is Big Enough bracelet every single day. I know a lot of us do. Uh, And I have worn this bracelet every single day for the last six and a half years that I have been employed here at White's Chapel. Uh, But I decided to do something a little different with it this week. Every morning for the last seven or eight days, when I would wake up, I would flip my bracelet inside out. And I decided that I wasn't allowed to flip it back until I had said a kind, genuine, and genuine is important, but a kind, genuine word of encouragement or love or, or appreciation to someone. And, and over the last week, some days it has happened quickly. As I was picking up a smoothie, because I love a morning smoothie, uh, or as I was getting a haircut. Um, other days it took me until way later in the afternoon or even into, until the evening. And some days it was someone close to me, some days I said to somebody in person, some days uh, it was on the phone with a friend, and some days it was a stranger. But I'll tell you what, I love what this silly little practice forced me to do. It forced me to look at the people around me and, and like scan them for the good. It was like this little game I was trying to notice the things that I could compliment them on or find appropriate moments that I could express 
my gratitude for their place in my life. And I will tell you, this genuinely impacted and improved my week. And so I want to challenge all of us with that. If you've got a God is Big Enough bracelet uh, on right now, or if you don't, we have plenty around the church, or there's a lot of ways to do this, but, uh, but if you've got a bracelet on right now, flip it inside out. And until you say a genuine, kind word of love or encouragement to somebody, it can be something really small. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to preach a sermon. But until you do that, leave it inside out. Let it be a reminder. And do this for me today. And if it's, if it's not your thing, that's totally fine. But if it is a powerful practice, a powerful exercise for you, like it has been for me, maybe try doing it all this next week. Because look around here tonight. Look how many people are just in this room. Uh, what could this do? What if every single one of us took this on? Imagine if we all took the time and made that additional effort to say just one extra word of kindness. And what if, what if this was the distinguishing mark of a Methodist? What if the distinguishing mark of White's Chapel Methodists was not just that we didn't speak ill of others, but that we did speak life? Because church, we have to ask ourselves, how will we use those 170,000 words in the English language? Those 72 muscles, those 15,000 words a day, those 680 million words in our lifetime. Will we use them to tear down? Will we insult billionaires' granddaughters and let our words get away from us? I hope not. <laughs> I'll never make that mistake again. Uh, will we default to gossip and criticism and disparagement? Or will we speak life? Will we let the distinguishing mark of a Methodist be our kind words? Will we flip our bracelets inside out and speak love out of the abundance of our hearts? Because Jesus did. And so should we. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me? God, help us, help us tonight, help us this week to start again, to do a better job of managing our tongues, because Lord, it is, it is so easy for us to jump to criticism, for us to jump to negative words and gossip. For a lot of us, it's probably our favorite sin. <laughs> and so God, tonight, this week, help us to just take a, a step in that direction. To try and find ways to, to speak life. To encourage somebody. To compliment somebody. To tell somebody we love them. To tell somebody we're grateful for, for their place in our lives. God, remind us that you spoke life, that you encouraged us, that you told us you loved us. 
Lord, we're grateful. And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.